If you're not already a Patreon supporter, please become one so you can access a great chat that I have with Leslie Lee and Brianna Joy Gray about Kamala Harris. It's a really great reaction to some of the stuff that she said to Charlemagne the God. And I think you'll really like it. So that's at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Hello, everyone. You're listening to The Katie Helper Show, and I'm your host, Katie Helper. If you like the show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show, where for just $1 a month, you can help make the show happen. And for $5 a month, you'll qualify for great bonus content, including an alternative podcast feed and rarely seen clips that aired on our live shows. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. So happy to be here with Leslie Lee, the third. Hey, how's it going? Good, you? I'm good, I'm good. Happy to see you again. Happy to be here on the Katie Helper Show again. Yes, it's great to see you guys. So we have uh, a great show coming up. We have two guests. Um, We have David Dayan of the American Prospect, the um, helpful wonk. No, I just tried to come up with a nickname for him. I don't know what to say. That's that's too basic sounding. The um, in, insightful wonk, astute wonk, astute fearless wonk, <laughs> fearless, yeah, the fearless wonk. That's good. The fearless wonk. Um, and then we have Brianna Joy Gray, uh, who is the host of um, the Bad Faith podcast. And before we bring um, either guest on, I just wanted to catch everyone up on about where we were. Uh, in today's world, you know, and first of all, before I do that, though, what makes tonight different from every other night? Not that much, because I'm going to say, please subscribe, please share, please like, please uh, join the Patreon, patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And that way you'll get access to Patreon only content like this entire video. If you're here live, you're in luck because you're going to get access to the whole video. But if you miss it and it's not live, then you may have to become a Patreon, but that's because I, I provide hours of free content, right, Leslie? Oh, Leslie, absolutely, yes. Leslie's good at defending me, better defending me than I am at defending <laughs> myself when people complain. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but let's just start with what happened today. A funny thing happened in Washington, D.C. Um, let's, Brad, if we could play the, uh, the CNN clip. This is Jake Tapper. Dropping some um, tapper bombs on us. That's from this morning. Leslie, you have any? When I, as I'm doing this, you have any good pop culture things you want to share with the people? Well, I did check out uh, the movie King Richard uh, with Will Smith uh, today uh, about the uh, Richard Williams, the father of Serena and Venus Williams. Very, very good movie. Very moving story. Very interesting story. Very political. Uh, story to it because I, I don't know they didn't talk about it's like a lot about the racism they face but instead of like a lot of these prestige movies the racism they're talking about is from like the 50s the 60s slavery like no all the people who are like are watching this movie were the racists <laughs> that uh venus and serena had to deal with so i thought it was very interesting very uh moving just shows how you know, you have to have a delusional belief in yourself if you want to have any chance of making it. 
in America, right. especially if you're black. All right. And where can people see that? Oh, I think it's on it's on HBO Max. Okay, great. All right. So let me just I'm just getting this one ready video ready because I want everyone to be caught up on what happened this weekend. Oh my God. There's an Alexa advertisement to I only have eyes for you that I'm just trying to spare you guys from listening to. I mean, you guys probably already know all about this, but it's sometimes good to hear it from. Morning, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia has just said he is a no on President Biden's cornerstone legislation, Build Back Better. Take a listen. I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do. Joining us now exclusively to react, the man managing the legislation, Senate Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Um, so Senator Sanders, Chairman Sanders, Senator Manchin says he can't get there. This is a no. He's tried everything. What's your reaction? Well, I think he's going to have a lot of explaining to do to the people of West Virginia to tell them why he doesn't have the guts to take on the drug companies and lower the cost of prescription drugs, why he is not prepared to expand home health care. West yeah. Virginia is one of the poorest states in this country. you got elderly people and disabled people who would like to stay at home or forced into nursing homes. He's going to have to tell the people of West Virginia why he doesn't want to expand Medicare to cover dental, hearing, and eyeglasses. I, I've been to West Virginia a number of times, and it's a great state, beautiful people. But it is a state that is struggling. And he's going to have to tell the people of West Virginia why he's rejecting what the scientists of the world are telling us, that we have to act boldly and transform our energy system to protect future generations from the devastation of climate change. You know, what's going on now, Jake, in Washington is the big money interests are pouring hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to make sure that we continue to pay the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs that the rich do not stop paying their fair share of taxes. And I would have hoped that we could have had at least 50 Democrats on board who have the guts to stand up for working families and take on the lobbyists and the powerful special interests. We have no Republican support. Not one Republican in the United States Senate or the House, for that matter, is prepared to stand up to the drug companies or the insurance companies or the wealthy. I would hope we would have had 50 Democrats. Mm -hmm. But if that is the case, then I hope that we will bring a strong bill to the floor of the Senate as soon as we can and let Mr. Manchin explain to the people of West Virginia why he doesn't have the guts to stand up to powerful special interests. Oh, so you want to vote on it no matter what, even, even if... Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're going to bring in to react to this... Um... Someone who I think will be very excited by what she just heard, um, at least one part of it. And we can break down that clip that we just saw. But let's bring uh, onto the stage, the virtual stage, uh, Brianna Joy Gray of Bad Faith Podcast, former press secretary to Senator Bernard Sanders. Hello, Bree. Hello. My man said force the vote. Basically, I, that's why I thought you'd like that. So Bernie wants to put people on the record, make it plain as as it should be made plain. He wants basically Joe Joe Manchin to have to say, I'm voting against dentures for you. Yeah, sounds you, like Brianna. a pretty good plan. You know, I mean, I'm no legislative expert, but Bernie certainly has been in Congress for many a year. I say if Bernie thinks force the vote is a good idea, 
maybe we should force the vote. All right, I'm with you on it. Where are you, Leslie? Uh, yeah, I think he should do something other than nothing. Uh, I mean, the thing I've been thinking about is like they've spent like tens of millions of dollars just on ads for this Build Back Better deal. Like, how could they not do it? Like, that could have been a government plan in and of itself. The ads that are on CNN constantly about the Build Back Better plan. It's really a travesty and it's all, I don't even know if we got played or, I mean, we definitely got played, but did Biden get played? Did Schumer get played? Were they all playing us? Well, you know what? How about, I think it'd be interesting if we brought in another guest because I would love to have not only his um, contribution to discussion, but also to have you, Bree, and and our guest talk because I think you guys come from interesting somewhat overlapping, somewhat different worlds. And I'm speaking, of course, of David Dayan of The American Prospect, who is a tireless, fearless, would never block Brie journalist. (laughs) Welcome, David. I I believe you called me a, what did you call me? Like the happy wonk? I think, yeah, the nice wonk, the insightful, terrible name. Now I'm on on two podcasts at once. You're going to come at me from both sides here. I, I got to be on Breeze and yours. Oh, yeah, right exactly. Now. Yeah. This is this is just the Katie Halper show. I'm just a guest the way that okay. you are, David. All right, We're good. all here at the grace of Katie Halper. You're yeah. just over on the couch. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys, we're going to unpack your, your dreams. Um, so, David, what do you think of what we've been talking about so far? What are your thoughts on the um, response to Build Back Better? Because um, one of the things that I appreciate about the way that you write about things is you kind of um, shatter the the myth that certain things just can't be done, which I think Washington DC likes to hide behind a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what are people getting wrong uh, about build back better about this discussion, anything from build back better to the, the clips that we were just talking about? Well, uh, you saw what uh, Manchin said today about how he tried every, everything he possibly could to to get to a place where he could he could agree for this uh, this bill, um, Manchin and and Schumer had an agreement that they put into writing that then Schumer hid from everybody for about three months until it finally got released, and uh, that was that was laid down on July fifteenth. And uh, it leaked, and, and we all can see it now, and uh, I, I tweeted it today. Um, almost everything in that original agreement is in the bill. So these were Manchin's red lines. This is what he needed in order to move forward with an agreement. And just about everything that's in there uh, is, is part of this bill. So, uh, and, and we can run down every single, every single piece of it if you want, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the very extreme forms of means testing that he wanted to throw onto this bill, they got mostly in there except for the, the universal, uh, pre-kindergarten portion, uh, which is something that Manchin himself implemented when he was in West Virginia, and he did it in a universal way, not in a means-tested way. And that's the only reason that that's not the the, the only means-tested thing in the bill. Um, uh, 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 various uh, forms of targeted spending, uh, all the climate stuff that he uh, demanded be in there, from everything from carbon capture to including hydrogen. Uh, as as a fuel that's favored along with uh, electric, 
Um, any revenue exceeding his top line going to deficit reduction, that's part of the bill. Uh, all of the limitations on taxes, uh, some of them aren't even in there at all. And uh, the others do not go above his red lines. Literally just about everything. The only thing that is different from that July agreement is the top line, which was $1.5 trillion in that, in that uh, agreement that he made with Schumer. And since then, he's expanded that to $1.75 trillion. So uh, there's almost nothing that uh, Manchin asked for that he didn't get. And at some point, you have to believe that if he's just going to keep asking for stuff and then having it given to him, uh, only to say, also, I need this, 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 and this. Uh, in other words, it, it's hard for me to see, uh, even though I'm hearing a lot of people say, well, he didn't, he didn't, maybe he's just negotiating, maybe he didn't totally close the door. It's hard for me to see that this guy ever wanted to pass a bill at all. Um, and, and, and the proof is that everything he asked for initially has been granted and he still isn't for the bill. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. And, uh, you know, it, it's this is something that that took the time and effort of not just, uh, you know, the president and other senators, but like uh, and, and, and Lee mentioned this before, just millions, tens of millions of dollars in ads and uh, thousands of man hours from all these activists and, and, and media planners and, and filmmakers and everybody who put together those ads and, and, and who put together weird rallies with like uh, cartoon bills dressed up on Capitol <laughs> Hill. And like all of the, think about all of the things that were done, all of the waste of time that there was uh, when Manchin could have said like the day that, that Democrats won in Georgia, well, I'm not certainly going to pass, you know, a bill that has, all of these various social programs in it. I mean, he, if he could have said that in January, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. David, That's what like do you make Jesse about- Smollett. What's his name? What about him? <laughs> it's like the reason that part of the reason why what Jesse Smollett did is a crime is because it takes up valuable, allegedly valuable police right, right. time. So okay, like, yeah. can't we, can't we go after Manchin for taking up government mm-hmm. time? Not, uh, not free, sure Jesse a, Smollett, uh, free Jesse Smollett. Free Jesse Smollett and, and put, in prison and, Joe Manchin. In prison Joe Manchin, yes. yes. Yeah, not, not yeah. sure that is an actual I mean, statute, he lied. But, he basically yeah. lied. And uh, because of that, a lot of work was done. Could have been applied yeah. elsewhere. Anyway, go ahead, Brie. Anyway, David, even more, with an argument, even more serious point than mine, Brianna. <laughs> what do you make of this argument people are, are making that they should take out piecemeal popular parts of build, you know, extreme, that's all popular, but the most popular parts of Build Back Better and try to attach them to appropriations bills? I mean, you could try, but, but as you know, uh, the reason that all of these things were agglomerated into one bill is that uh, is because of the refusal to end the filibuster. And right. because of that refusal, we have these reconciliation bills. There's one in 2022, the 2022 fiscal year, which is the one we're doing now. There's actually one for the 2023 fiscal year that you could use before the midterms. Uh, and uh, you have to kind of push everything into those bills in order to get the 50 votes uh, threshold. Uh, yeah. Rather than the sixty vote threshold, which is just not not possible. So, um, so yeah, was- could you move these things? Mm-hmm. Could you move very popular things into 
uh, an appropriation. You could try, but I mean, we don't have, we've, we've been running on continuing resolutions with no appropriations without any of that stuff uh, for the past year. Uh, so, so you're saying, you know, you're saying for one of the piecemeal fragments of the bill to pass with a appropriations bill, they would first have to get rid of the filibuster or reform the filibuster. Right. I mean, you'd need, you need you need 60 votes to pass appropriations, right? So, so then yeah. my follow-up is that AOC, someone put this question to her and her response was lengthy, but ultimately she made reference to the idea that there might actually be a third opportunity next year, I guess, depending on what the parliamentarian said. Do you think there's any likelihood that you- Oh, no, there's definitely- That this, a, that this one could roll over? This is not a question of the parliamentarian. I mean, you can definitely do another reconciliation bill at the before the midterms using the fiscal year 2023 budget. I mean, this gets very wonky, but the point is there's one of these things. There's one of these things every year, right? She was arguing that there could be three bites of the apple, not two next year if this one rolls well, over. Well, there was this there was this question of yes, you could maybe do multiple reconciliation bills in one year. Um that it wasn't it's not clear to me that that's been fully determined. Um and it's certainly that- possible. Uh you know, I mean, one thing you could say is that all right, Joe, we'll uh we'll get this down to uh just just the child tax credit. That's all we're going to do. Uh, with this year's reconciliation bill. And then in next year's reconciliation bill, you could try to do something else. Um, And so you could, you know, but look, (laughs) until you get rid of the filibuster, you're you're just sort of grasping at straws to do these one thing or another thing uh, and and figure out how many of these bites of the apple you actually get. What in a sane world, you'd have innumerable bites of the apple, right? And you could, you could end the filibuster and you could, you could pass these or try to pass these bills one by one by one. I mean, that's something that LBJ did, for example, the great society wasn't one bill, right? It was, it was a number of different bills. Same with the new deal. It was a ton of different bills before we had sort of uh, this norm that the opposition party will block everything that the, the main party is trying to do. Uh, uh, and so you have to resort to this reconciliation function. And where are we on that filibuster? What's the what's the latest? Nowhere. And, They're not yeah. going to do it. I mean, Cinema <laughs> said with respect to the voting rights uh, piece that uh, she's not inclined to uh, do a carve out for voting rights. So if you're not going to do that, uh, you're not going to do the rest. Now, the hilarious thing is that what did we just see pass? That, that Joe Biden signed just in the past few days. It was an increase in the debt limit. Now, how did they get an increase in the debt limit without changing the 60-vote threshold? Well, 60 senators voted to make an exemption for the filibuster rule just for the debt limit. So you can do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, they got mess. 60 votes to end up doing that. Um, but you can make the exemption if, if it's something that that, Congress deems important enough. Basically, the point is that Congress is not, you know, by its very rules, cannot do things until they can. Right? right. They're they're not allowed to do anything unless they really want to, and then they can find a way around the rules. That's yeah. the bottom line. Their hands are tied until until they, they want them to not be tied. Yeah. That's At right. which point they somehow find a, some kind of scissor. So, so what, in your view, is the pressure point that? that leftists should be pressing on yeah. right now? Should yeah. it be specifically 
look, you you got the 60 votes you needed to make a room for raising the debt ceiling. And here's an issue that's popular even in red districts. Why won't you, 10 Republicans, open that same door up so that we can get whatever it is. I don't know if it's child tax credit, prescription drug reform, a $15 minimum wage, LOL. Just kidding. They're over that. Right. You know, should because I'm not seeing a lot of framing that also includes the extent to which Republicans could be a part of this, except for vote blue no matter who neo libs who like to yell at the left saying why aren't you angrier at republicans for not getting involved right i mean i think there are two i guess options at this point uh the first option is something that that wyden has come out with just in the past few hours which is a tremendously scaled down version of build back better that is mostly the climate stuff the prescription drug stuff and the child tax credit pretty much uh, with, with offsets, some sort of tax offsets. Um, so that's, you know, maybe that's something that, that Manchin then agrees to. I don't know. I, 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 I am skeptical at, at this point. I don't think you could be living in this world without being skeptical that Joe Manchin wants to pass anything. Right. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to deem myself completely skeptical of any of that until I see otherwise. The second thing though, that I think progressives should be talking about are all of the, and I've been banging this drum for about three years now, is all of the things that a president can do without additional congressional authority. Right, right. Uh, this was what we called the day one agenda when we ran it oh, yeah. in, in September of 2019 yes. is when we ran this this series. And we continued it through, through 2020. Yeah, prospect.org slash day dash one dash agenda. You can find every one of our articles. Uh, and we've been tracking where uh, the administration has actually moved forward on some of those uh, things and where they haven't. And some of the big ones, they haven't moved forward. And we know about them. It's cancellation of student debt. It's uh, legalization, effective legalization of marijuana by descheduling it uh, under the Controlled Substances Act. It's it's uh, there's a series of things you can do on on prescription drugs that are actually probably more powerful than what's in the bill. Um, there there are plenty of things you can do. And uh, and there's a whole host of things you can do on climate. And some of them would be very punitive to places like West Virginia. So the problem that I have is that the Biden administration has never conceived of these executive action items as a tool to get Congress to do what it wants. In other words, hey, Joe Manchin, okay, you don't want to pass Bill Beckletter? That's fine. We're going to ban coal. Now, he can't actually ban coal, but he can do things to make it very hard to open another coal plant or continue yeah. another coal plant through the well, clean David, power plan, things like more that. permits at this point in his yeah. administration yes. than Donald Trump had? Yes, he has. Uh, and in fact, uh, they, they agreed to an offshore drilling uh, uh, site when they weren't bound by any authority to have to do so. And they claimed that their hands were tied. So I'm not saying that these things are going to happen, but you can imagine a presidency where in reaction to one recalcitrant senator who is not willing to pass that agenda, you keep putting forward executive actions that go around Congress to the point at which that senator says, "Okay, well, let me let me try to fashion this my way at least, uh, because I don't want I don't want this wild, out of control president doing all this stuff." So uh, that, to me, 
I think moving, uh, first of all, unless you just want sort of a caretaker presidency until Donald Trump too in 2024, yeah. you better move on executive action because there's, you know, you're going to get wiped out in the midterms. You don't seem to be able to do anything in the next year. And uh, what legacy do you want to have, right? I mean, do you want to be a president that, that uh, you know, uh, made life better for 46 million student debtors? Do you want to be a president that uh, made life uh, a, a little more bearable for millions of people who, who uh, you know, either through medical conditions or through through uh, just the desire to use re recreational marijuana, want to do it and and don't want to be thrown in jail for it? I mean, there are all sorts of, of options. And, and those are just a few, by the way. Uh, if you go to our, our site, prospect.org slash EAT uh, or prospect.org slash EAT, we have what is called the Executive Action Tracker, EAT, and that lists every one of the 77 items that we laid out in pieces that in articles that, that Biden uh, or any, any president could undertake and whether or not they have done them. Uh, now, I, I, the last time I checked, I can, I can go to it right now, actually, uh, and tell you that uh, of those 77 actions, uh, 15 Biden has moved forward on and, uh, 11, he's moved forward on them sort of. David, give him way. time. It's <laughs> only been a year. It's only been a year. It's only been a year. But you know, a lot of the ones that he has, he has said no to are, are some of the most powerful ones like, like canceling student debt, like, uh, using, uh, things to lower prescription drug prices, uh, uh, and so on and so forth, like banning fossil fuel drilling and mining on federal lands and oceans, which we just talked about. So uh, uh, there are a host of opportunities here. And uh, it, it's just a matter of having a president who has that will. It's not even creativity, right? We know what he can do. It's not creativity. It's just will. So how much of this is actually the rotating villain and on Biden, not uh, as much on Biden as it is on Manchin? Well, I mean, I, I, I think it ultimately you have to say it's on the Democratic Party. I, I, I mean, look, there's nothing that Joe Manchin said today that makes him uh, any different a figure than he was for the last year. Right. Like right. we knew who Joe Manchin was. Joe Manchin today is the same Joe Manchin that he was, uh, you know, at the beginning of this year and previously and so on. Uh, given the unwillingness to move forward on the filibuster, which Manchin is, of course, part of, given uh, the, the thin margin in the Senate, the idea that you could just put forward uh, a, a multi-trillion dollar bill and expect Joe Manchin to agree with it was, you know, in many ways, the, the original problem here. There was a failure to prioritize on the part of the Democratic leadership to say, we have Joe Manchin. Here's what we're going to be able to do. Instead, what they did, instead of, you know, the, the, the two choices were, let's do a few things, but do them very well, make them permanent, try to make them better down the road. Or, have everything in our agenda and just cut it down and cut it down and cut it down so that we have 50 half measures in this bill uh, that hopefully uh, before they expire in a year or three years or five years, depending on the program, uh, we can we can somehow improve them and extend them. Uh, and and ultimately, I mean, the kernel that that I sort of agree with Joe Manchin about is that it's gimmickry to say that 
uh, we're just going to pass the child tax credit for one year, as if every Democrat wants it to only last for 2022 and they don't want to extend it any further. Right. I mean, Jim Manch is right about that, right? Uh, and uh, so that the two things together, the fact that he is artificially constraining the things you can do by limiting the resources, and uh, that necessarily means that you can only get a few programs forward, but the, the, the leadership and, and progressives as well wanted to have it all. They wanted to just sort of have 50 half measures that we could do and do a lot of things really poorly in the hopes that that People would be so grateful that we did a lot of things poorly that we could stay in 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 power and then somehow advance and and improve those things down over time. Uh, it's not. It was not a good calculated strategy. Uh, number one, it wasn't good to pass the bill as Manchin is showing. Number two, I don't think it would have been good if the bill got passed because you had uh, all of these programs that like required on state participation. So you'd have to hope that red states would advance the Biden agenda by by setting up their own pre-K program, setting up their own child care program, setting up their own long-term care program. There's no way they were going to do that. And uh, you'd have to assume that Republicans would uh, uh, who would be, you know, presumably uh, have a role in back in power would then affirmatively vote to extend things that that aren't don't benefit their own constituents. I mean, it, it, none of the the strategy behind Build Back Better actually made sense to me. And uh, uh, so David, David, let, me, let, me, this, let me just yeah. explain to you. The trick is you tell the country, you brag a lot about how you've halved child poverty. And then right. at the peak of the next wave of the global pandemic virus, you then double <laughs> child poverty. That's right. the gag. That's, I think, right. what the, the well, let me Let me just say, be. you bring up a, a very important point. So we're going to lose the monthly payments. Uh, December 15th were the last monthly payments under the child tax credit you're going to see. Now, uh, everybody's going to get a tax refund. Uh, like, poor families are going to get a tax refund in, uh, uh, in January and February. And the second half of all those CTC payments, those enhanced ones, are going to be in that refund. So uh, people are not going to feel that right away at the beginning of the year. But the thing they are going to feel at the beginning of the year is that on February 1st, student loan payments resume. And that's I another, that's an average. People are going to feel it. That, they're definitely going to feel it. going to feel it. <laughs> yeah, 46 million people, uh, including, including people in our presence. And it's an average of $393 a month. So just add that on to your budget. Right. I mean, I, it's probably more for you at the law school. Right. So yes, uh, but I can it, handle it. And the world's world's tiniest violin for me. But yes, I will say, exactly. David, I wonder what you think. Some people, some people are talking about a student debt strike. Some people are wondering why, if we knew this deadline was approaching back in June, there hasn't been more mobilization on this front. And some people are asking why the threat of a student debt strike isn't being weaponized by, if not Biden, because cynically, we've all now believed that he never wanted anything good to happen anyway, but by, by progressivism the House, why aren't they participating in organizing the kind of strike that could potentially put pressure on corporate Democrats to do some of these policies that, you know, everybody except for them wants? Well, it'll be very interesting. Uh, you know, there was uh, the Corinthian students participated in the debt strike way back. This is way back in like 2012, 2013, mm. uh, when they, it was for-profit college network. Uh, they were totally defrauded. 
those schools went out of business and they were still on the hook to pay these loans that were that created worthless diplomas things that literally in job interviews the the uh, the the hiring managers laughed at when they saw a Corinthian college on on the resume um, so there uh, a lot of uh, uh, these these students participate in a debt strike flash forward and now they they are getting relief from from that uh, from having to pay those those student debt uh, and so uh, I, I it would be interesting to see how much mobilization you could get to really make that uh, vital um, you would need a lot uh, you're, you're talking about millions and millions of people. Um, but I think the, the urgency is there, right? How, I mean, many, how many do you think you would need to commit? Cause I, I tweeted this once in a straw poll and asked folks like for you to participate, how many people would have to be with you? You know, 10,000, a million, 22 million, you know, because the uh, student debt, uh, Astra Taylor's org, they have done these before with just a few thousand people. Right. And- right but that was usually on a subset of the debt, like debt for for-profit colleges or debt right. uh, involving, you know, uh, public student loan forgiveness uh, programs, which are people who go into public service, like teaching or government, yeah. and they were supposed to get yeah. it, it relieved and they weren't. So the argument that could be made that nobody's really making at this point is that so many colleges that aren't literally for-profit colleges are similar in so far as that there was no way, at the time the, the loans were issued, there was no possible return on the investment that made sense. I Absolutely. remember when I was going to law school, I was told basically that if you don't get into a T14 law school, one of the top 14 law schools, it's basically not worth going because it was the financial crisis, it was all of this. And I was fully prepared to not go to law school until you know, I got into certain schools. And that... It sounds really ridiculous, but it is it is true. And you can do the math on the back of a piece of paper, whether or not it's worth taking out 180, you know, $160,000 worth of loans, which become 250 over the 10-year period with interest and how much your earnings are over, you know, if you can get a big firm job because you didn't go to the certain school. And there's so many schools that in no way raise your salary as much as you're going to have to pay those $60,000 uh, a year running for four a years. Piece, we're running a piece actually tomorrow uh, there's a nationwide walkout happening tomorrow of pharmacists. Mm. Now, the average pharmacy program lasts about six or eight years, and people come out with an average of $174,000 in debt. And the starting salary for a pharmacist at CVS is $45,000 a year. Oh, my so God. So do, do the math on that, right? And so uh, there, and it's gotten much worse in the pandemic. The load, the workloads are much greater. They, they're having to give out COVID tests, COVID vaccines, uh, everything that we know about at the pharmacy counter. And uh, what they said is that during the beginning of the pandemic, uh, in order to uh, raise morale, companies like CVS and Rite Aid would give pizza to uh, to, oh, to right. the pharmacies. To the pharmacist. And right, so there's a hashtag right. called pizza is not enough. And it was started by a pharmacist out in uh, somewhere in the middle of the country. I don't remember where. And they're doing this walkout. And it's part of an independent union effort uh, uh, to uh, try to raise awareness about the, the unsuitability of this. And so you could see efforts like that in different professions. And I think that would actually make an interesting, uh, you know, that could make a difference. I would love that. I would love to do an episode on them. Yeah. 
So you, you're just saying it's easier logistically to organize it around a certain industry? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about it deeply, but uh, yeah. I, I do know that uh, it is going to be a huge reckoning. And, and the, the way that um, kind of like the worst version of this uh, in terms of it's the thing nobody's saying, but it might be true, is that the administration is allowing this, this, these student debt payments to resume because they want to fight inflation by lowering demand for goods and services, by lowering discretionary income, uh, dis discretionary spending uh, uh, among millions of people. And uh, they're, you know, if you translate that, what they're literally saying is we need to, you know, lower economic growth, throw some people out of work in order to lower inflation. And and first of all, this makes no sense even from an inflation standpoint, because inflation is being driven by supply chain problems that have nothing to do with uh, consumer spending, number one. Number two, it's just really ghoulish to say that uh, we've decided that inflation is a bigger problem than uh, you know, millions of people who uh, need you know, money for basic necessities and we're gonna cut, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna increase their their, their the the amount of money they have to pay in order to try to deal with the inflation thing. Uh, it's it's, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to believe that, but I kind of believe that. Well, Pri, I know you have to run. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has David, been great. You, it's always yes. good to hear from you, David. And I hope to get you on Bad Faith soon. Thanks, Katie. Bye, Sounds Leslie. Good. And thank uh, you for triggering everybody on your last Bad Faith appearance, Leslie. That was oh, fun. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Um, I'm going to turn my lights on because oh, you're okay. slowly not seeing me here. So yeah. hold on a second. Like, uh, like our hope, our belief, our faith in, in what, the electoral system? Not that anyone, especially you, Leslie, <laughs> definitely never had any of that. Um. There's another. Did you see this clip of Psaki being asked about like giving out free tests? Yes, absolutely. Yes, I we should did play that. Yes, good one. We can play what that. What we've David. done over the course of time, oh, we've thanks, quadrupled Mike. the size of our testing plan. We've cut the cost significantly over the past few months, and this effort to uh, to push uh, to ensure insurers are you're able to get your your tests uh, refunded means 150 million Americans will be able to get free tests. Okay, though. Why not just make them free and give them out? So this is Jen Psaki, just so David here mm -hmm. too. I don't know I've if you saw it. this clip. Okay. So. And over the course of time, effort to uh, to push uh, to ensure insurers are you're able to get your your tests uh, refunded means 150 million Americans will be able to get free tests. That's kind of complicated though. Why not just make them free and give them out to, and have them available everywhere? Should we just send one to every American? Yeah, maybe. Then, then what? Ha then what happens if you if every American has one test? How much does that cost? And then what happens after that? All I know is that other countries seem to be making them available for in greater quantities for less money. Well, I think we share the same objective, which is to make them less expensive and more accessible, right? Uh, every country is going to do that differently. And I was just noting that again, our tests go through the FDA approval process. That's not the. All right. What do you have to say to that, David? <laughs> Well, there's a couple things. I mean, uh, I've been on a kick lately about how uh, government needs to create uh, simpler ways for people to benefit, right? And you can't come up with a harder way for people to benefit from a government program 
than having to get reimbursed by the insurance yeah. industry. <laughs> so, and it's not on a big expense, right? It's on a $28 two pack of Binax uh, test kits, right? Who is gonna do that? Who is gonna like, you know, put in the slip for the $28, wait four to six weeks, haggle with their insurance company, and then finally get a check for $28? Nobody's going to do that, and and uh, it, it there, it, it's the the poverty of imagination there on display from from Gensaki, yeah. uh, saying you know, and 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 the other thing is that there there's there's another way to think about it rather than just uh, you know giving giving out these these tests and mailing them to everybody. In other countries, these tests are about a buck, right? And, and why is that? It's because more tests have been approved in other countries for use. In, in the United States, and there was a great ProPublica article about this, really only two tests have been approved. The, the bottleneck, the guy who, who does the approvals at the FDA of these tests worked for the two companies that got approved tests. Oh, wow. And, uh, and he has discouraged other companies from going in and, uh, and, and trying to get their tests approved. So that's why they're more is because there's no competition. There, there, there are only two tests out there. Was scam of a country. I mean, we didn't even mention other countries are just giving them to everybody for they free. Are, yeah, they, they are, are just giving them away, and she mocks it. I know. I love that. I love that part. That's the best part of it. Like, oh well, I guess what should we do? Like, do what, what do you get for being? Um, what do you get yeah. for being an American? What do you get for being an American other than like complicity in imperialism across the globe? You're not getting anything else. From this point on, brother, uh, her sister, like the cheap consumer goods, we're not getting those. I mean, we never had the health care. I don't know what we're getting for being Americans. It's just uh, it's up for grinding the pulp, I guess. I mean, interestingly, just last week, the White House issued this initiative that said, uh, I forget how they phrased it, but it was it was about making things simpler, like, you know, creating a government website that that integrates everything from other websites. So there's one stop shopping. If you have this income, uh, the Social Security Administration can pull your data from other places and sign you up for other benefits. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, it, in a vacuum, it's a great initiative. But when you see it in conjunction with all the crappy initiatives that have been put forward, it's like, well, now you figured out that that people, you know, don't want to be your little bureaucrats and filling out forms all day to try to get benefits that they're eligible for. And something else that I know that we spoke about um, a little bit on Useful Idiots when you were on Useful Idiots was the the patent, um, mm -hmm. the waiver, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. which is something that, again, I'm just kind of shocked that the United States, although we're better than the EU on this, which kind of surprised me. I'm not used yeah. to being like, I'm, I'm used to us being the worst of all countries. Um, but the it's just shocking to hear the party and the president who boasts about how science-based that they are um, not take a more aggressive role in stamping out COVID around the world in all countries. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, it's, this is something where the president kind of surprised people in April by making this announcement. He would, he would agree to the waiver of this intellectual property so that we can manufacture as many uh, of these vaccines as possible. And that was kind of the last we heard of it 
for, for several months. Uh, Angela Merkel came here. Germany is known to be the, the main obstacle uh, at the WTO to, to uh, this. And it makes Sounds sense because who is, who is Pfizer partnering with uh. Uh, uh, on the vaccine? It's a company called BioNTech that's from Germany. Um, so, uh, but he didn't, Biden did not uh, engage her in any way on this. He didn't push her to, to, to try to force her to get this done. And, uh, you know, what were, what I know what I was saying this time last year is that we have to vaccinate the world uh, uh, very swiftly. And the reason is that this is a global pandemic. And what we know about viruses of this type is that they mutate. Right. And, and when they mutate, they could mutate in a way that escapes the vaccine uh, that, that, that are, is just so much more transmissible that uh, we, we, you know, becomes much more deadly. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing, right? <laughs> like, like, that's exactly what happened first with Delta and now with Omicron. Uh, and uh, we knew this was going to happen. We knew that if you allow the, the, the virus to just sort of flow around in populations, that some sort of mutation was going to happen. And, and that's why we needed a global effort rather than sort of a nationalistic effort yeah. of, of just trying to, to vaccinate our own people. And so th this was just really foolhardy. Yeah. And Kamala just said, like, they had no idea that Omicron was coming. They couldn't oh, see it coming. Oh, that was a terrible statement that she made. How, that, how that, was, she, that was unbelievable. I mean, just either does she not know she's lying or she's so out of out of it? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's the argument we always play, right? right. Just like stupid or, or dumb lying. or disingenuous, <laughs> right? Yeah, D and D and D, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you don't. And the, the funny thing is, you don't have to be an internationalist or even care about people in other countries to understand the right. way that viruses work. Like you could be a hardcore nationalist and get that you can't have a nationalistic approach to this. Absolutely, yes. This is this is ultimately about protecting us. By yeah. protecting, like that's that's the step that uh, Americans are always have a hard time taking. Uh, it's the same thing with the mask. The mask is about protecting everyone around us, not just protecting right. us. Wearing, yeah. And that's why it's what? Wait, it doesn't protect me. I'm taking it off. I don't yeah. like how it makes me feel when I breathe. Right. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's just the 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 total breakdown here. Yeah. Well, I just want to. Um, Let's see. I, I I'd asked people what should be done to Joe Manchin. Then I had to clarify legally because people were like, oh, I can't say that. Um, <laughs> right. So let me see if there's anything good. Um, and then, of course, people are like, oh, is, are they going to um, don't just blame Manchin? I know. I know it's we've I think people now, if they didn't already know, understand that I understand that the Democrats and Biden have the, a big role to play in this. So. Um, let's see any interesting things. Um, let's see. You know what? Some people, well, there's a guillotine gif. That's always funny. Not, but only when it's not serious, obviously. Um, what about going, uh, like after his, his daughter, can't they just do that? Well, uh, what do you mean? Uh, For her. Heather, Heather Bresch, the yeah. uh, former CEO of Mylan. Yeah. Uh, who, uh, the problem is she's former and she does not involved right. with Mylan anymore. Anymore, yeah. Um, I mean, 
Biden did try to get some things done here, right? Like Biden hired, he, he appointed Manchin's wife to a major job at the Appalachian Regional Commission. Uh, he, he, he has, has attempted a, a few of the things, not everything has been attempted, but a few of the things that you would, if you were trying to, uh, you know, entice someone to, to, right. to vote your way, he's, he's done some of that stuff. Um, I, I don't know why Manchin still Fire holds, I don't know ASAP. why Manchin still holds a, uh, uh, a committee chair. Right. Couldn't I mean, he just be that's, that's dismissed one, from that? But that's more of a Schumer thing than a Biden thing. Um, you know, I mean, I think, I think there's this fear that, that Manchin isn't going to be in the Democratic Party very long. Right. Um, and so they're, they're I mean, playing that, that game of, of, uh, you know. Do I hang on to him? Uh, do I try to appease him or do I do I attack him? Now, certainly Biden's uh, the Biden administration statement today was very, very uh, uh, cutting in terms of of how they how they depicted Manchin. They were they were really blindsided by this, I think. Yeah, I remember this song and dance with Joe Lieberman. And from what I understand, Obama kept giving him everything he wanted. And then Joe Lieberman endorsed a Republican for president is what I what I recall uh, is what happened. So uh, I'm not so them handing Joe Manchin a bunch of stuff and then him still saying no. Seems like it, this is just how they do things. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cent- centrist um, Joes. Yeah. The 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 curse of the Joes that yeah. we have. We have a case of the Joes. Yeah. Case of the Joes. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you give people things and hope that they will be yeah. like. When you trust people, you shouldn't trust. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 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 hard to see exactly what can be done. I mean, the difference is that Lieberman was in a, a Democratic state, right? I mean, right. Uh, West Virginia voted for Donald Trump by thirty-five points. It's 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 it helps Joe Manchin when the Democratic establishment goes after him. Right. Uh, it helps him in West Virginia when that happens. So it, it's hard to say exactly. You know what you can do to 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 win back his favor, um, uh, so uh, that that's why I think uh, uh, using the executive authority and yeah, and, that's just the way you know you getting know. him into a position where he thinks that uh, it'd be better for me and better for my priorities if I actually do something than nothing. Right. That that seems to be the, uh, the the only thing I can think of. Right. Yeah. Just go executive, but then he wouldn't be able to blame it on anyone else. He'd actually have to do it. Which so, is, you know, so so we'll see if he's willing to uh, to go that route. Yeah. Wow. All right. Yeah, we can have a Joe poll. Which Joe is worse? Um, well, David, thank you so much for joining. Absolutely. Um, this was great. Come back again. We'll, we should go over your day one um, piece, item Definitely. by item. We'll read them yeah. out loud. <laughs> Shame Biden into there doing them. There you go. There yeah. you go. All right. Thanks a lot, Kate. Okay. Thanks, right. David. Right. Bye. Don't forget to become Patreon supporters so you can hear the chat that I have with Brianna Joy Gray about Kamala Harris. Thanks again for listening to The Katie Helper Show. If you like the show, please join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And as always, we remind you that this show could not happen without the support of our listeners. Our show is produced by me, Katie Halper, Nick Palm, Brad Bloom is our audio engineer and an associate producer on the show. Our researcher is Joshua Bregman. 
And our theme song is by the band Cordova. See you next time.